Breakers podcast, hosted by 4constructionpros.com, highlighting the innovative equipment, technology, companies, and individuals that are breaking new ground in the construction industry. I'm Jonathan Kozlowski, editor of Concrete Contractor. In this episode, we're talking about an innovation in troweling, specifically troweling edges featuring Kippercrete's family of power trowel attachments. Imagine, if you will, giving a general laborer being paid $12 to $15 an hour, five minutes of instruction, with a watchful eye, of course, and getting a good of an edge as a $25 finisher. I want to put that into some perspective with time. If it takes an hour and 10 minutes for three passes on your edges, imagine getting that done in 30. Let me introduce you to a few contractors around the country. Meet Thomas Evans of Residential Flatwork, a residential and light commercial concrete flatwork contractor out of Skinny Atlas, New York. I asked Thomas what inspired him to give one of Kipper's attachments a chance. Bought it. I bought it to try and get my get my help up off their knees instead of uh, running around on knee boards all day and and scrubbing like that. Obviously, vertical position would be more desirable. So, uh, yeah, we 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 purchased the Kipper and um, it's just worked wonders for us. Actually, um, lot very easy to very easy to control. Um, it's it does a beautiful job for us. Um, there's it's way less labor intensive. Um, you're not really scrubbing really hard. All you're doing is pulling the trigger and moving a moving a machine around, which is uh, phenomenal for us. Just the the ease of of the everyday task of doing uh, edges, concrete edges around um, uh, protrusions, plumbing, that sort of thing in the floors, where you're, you're whereby before we were out on knee boards all the time and scooting across the floor and all that, and now you can just pretty much walk out there and and run this machine and it's it's saved a lot of time and it, the guys are way less fatigued at the end of the day. Yeah. You've mentioned ease of use a number of times. What's the learning curve or training like? Um we had just a little bit of a learning curve with it. Um we tried a couple different uh techniques with it. Um some did not work right off the bat for us only because I found out that I was using the tool improperly. I was, I was, you know, somewhat getting nervous and, um, having to, having to rush to do my edges because they were getting, getting hard and it wasn't the case with it. I didn't have to rush. I didn't have to do all that because the tool's doing the work for me. So what I was doing wrong was I was running at very high RPMs and, um, it, it just wasn't getting it as, as flat as we desired. But then once I, I learned the process a little bit more and slowed down, which is key, just to slow down and let the machine do the work at lower RPMs, we've we've had great success. Our, our edges and everything are looking, you know, 100% now. Of course, flat work is one thing. Edges need to be done well across the board. But for projects like food packing houses and freezers, the flat work needs to be next to perfect. I spoke with Doug Erickson of Gleason Constructors, Inc. 
They specialize in the flat work for food processing facilities and also found advantages to using the kipper. Most of the facilities we build have washdown curbs in them, like six to six to 18 inch thick curbs, and they range in height from two feet to five feet high. And uh, they all have to be finished with a mirror finish on the outsides and the t- on the face and the top. So we use we use the Kipper Creek trial machines to smooth the faces out. Being um, food facilities, do they have to like come to some sort of standard, like cleaning standard yeah. or something like that? Yeah, most of them are for the the USDA standards. Okay. Well, we that's what we use them for exclusively is the curbs or maybe the edge of a housekeeping pad, but we use them on those and, you know, instead of having six guys there with hand trowels rubbing it out, you end up with two guys with a kipper creek. Danny Gaston of Gaston Concrete Construction, located in North Carolina, specializes on commercial flat work. No surprise there. In his words, he loves anything with a metal building, no matter what it ends up being from something small at 5,000 square feet to a sizable 60,000 square foot project. As compared to a larger metropolitan area, one of the challenges Danny is dealing with is finding the skilled labor. So purchasing the right equipment is key to an effective team. You buy equipment to, okay. to take care of your labor problem. You know, because equipment don't get sick and- these workmen's comp, it don't show up drunk, it, you know, it, you just, equipment's always there. Right. So you buy the equipment, take, so you go in and it's like, if um, you go to pour a slab and if it's of enough size, well, you're taking the laser screen in and then you're taking the right on trials. You're catching the bulk of this building. So you take uh, eight guys and these eight guys can still pour probably 15 to 20,000 square feet. But where you get behind on the bigger buildings is on the edges because machines are still going to cover everything through the middle. Your core group can handle the middle. Sure. They can handle anything that's in the opening where the equipment can get it. Your problem comes in, okay, we get around plumbing. That slows things down. You know, the laser screen's not going to get it. Um, the machines aren't going to get up to the plumbing. Your edges, the machine can only get so close to the edges. So your problem becomes in now you need more people and they need to have a skill set to catch the edges, the plumbing, the no reach areas that the bigger equipment is not going to cover. Right. And that compounds it when you have to pay everybody. Right. Right. And like you you have to pay everybody those hourly wages and that just compounds when you have to get all eight people back onto that slab. Just for edges. Exactly. Well, see, I mean, well, first off, I told you we run behind all the time. Sure. Normal people on 20,000 foot would probably have 10 to 12 people. Okay. Okay. With my core group, I'm not scared of it with eight to nine people. And and the way you, way you get there is equipment. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the, the only the only other thing is you have, like I said, if you if have any piece of equipment in your in your fleet, you don't have to use that piece of equipment every day. If you have an employee, you have to have them every day for FT. Sure, sure. So, so there are cost on you. Yeah. It so these, a, these these equipments can be like a force multiplier. Strong. Yes, and then it goes once it pays off. 
you know, whatever that equipment is, I mean, it's the same thing they're going to tell you. If it, it doesn't matter if it's a, a, you know, a skid steer or if it's a, a excavator, if it's a screed machine, if it's a ride on trial machine, once it's paid for and you maintain it and you keep it, it's now pulling profit. It's there when you need it. You don't have to pay it every week. It doesn't become a liability on your spreadsheet. Sure. Sure. And in that aspect, go ahead. How has uh, the the smaller trowel, um, like the the kipper, um, affected your labor costs? Okay, the the, the kipper for for me was like one more tool. Just like you got the screed machine, that's only good until the concrete gets screeded. Right. You got the big trowel machines, so that's good when you're in the open areas. You know, you take your smaller walk behind trowels. Well, they're good, but then again, you have, you know, this is one more tool, you know, that you put in your arsenal. One can't replace the other. You can't take a three-foot walk behind and replace a four-foot rider. It doesn't happen. Right. You, you're not going to take the kipper. not going to replace a three-foot machine. It doesn't happen. But what it does do is we're on these edges now, and we're coming down with the machines and everything else. And as it's getting hard, I, you know, because everything is on a time frame with concrete. Concrete tells you, and you have this window of opportunity to work it. You've got to stay within that window. You get outside of that window, you, you're going to, anyway, it's not good. <laughs> Every concrete guy knows this. It's not good. Because you either got on it too wet, or if you get on it too hard, both of them are painful. Because if you get on it too wet, you got to do a bunch of remedial work to fix it and straighten it. So a whole lot more effort goes into what should have been a whole lot easier. Sure. If you get behind, if you don't have, you take a man, and let's say he's catching it with a hand, and he, he, he's going down this edge. Well, when it's 100 degrees outside, that man is only good at a certain level for he's getting hot and tired. And his, his level of performance is on a steady decline. So you take a machine, you don't have that decline. That machine does it's 100 degrees out. So if you take, like, uh, uh, the kipper trout we was talking about, you mm-hmm. take it and you've got your edges, you know, in the, uh, the early parts, you know, when it's laid down right and it's everything else, well, you take this man with his hand trowel, and the word, this may get misconstrued because if you don't do concrete, you know, it allows, while you're in this window of time, let's say you have, if a man does it, you have 20 minutes in your window, but it's going to take a man 40 minutes to do it. That means you've missed your window by 20 minutes. Right. Correct? Yeah, deadline. So if, right. you take this, if you take this same window of our, you have 20 minutes, and the kipper crowd does it in 10, your man is going to get a drink of water before he goes again. <laughs> so <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So, so you have not killed your labor. And you have produced what you need to do to stay up with the uh, the hydration of the concrete, the setting of the concrete. You know, you have stayed within your windows of opportunity, which will allow you to produce better floors. The uh, the kipper, it's ideal anything plumbing. It, it it is. I mean, I have you know when I first got a little skeptical about it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I've seen a lot of stuff. I've been in this for. 30 plus years and I was like but you never know until you, people can talk but you never know. we kind of put it through a little testing mm-hmm. 
And how it is when you take a man off a set of knee boards and he now stands away from the pipe, he catches around all the pipe, all his footprints are two and a half to three foot away from the pipe. You have now put the footprint where the big equipment catch them. You have now made the big equipment more effective. You have now made the pipes being caught more effective because I don't have, I now have one man catching what I would have the same set of pipes if it would only take, I would say, maybe four people on knee boards to catch mm-hmm. or out there walking all over my floor to catch. I can send one man out and he will get up against the pipe, dead up against it. I mean, it is dead on the pipe. There is no ring or line or whatever. It just, wow. He's all the way up to the pipe. But now you don't, you don't go out there the first time, you know, as when concrete's wetter, you ha- it goes in stages. You have times and everything. But as it's getting harder, when your people are slowing down, and as we're talking about later in the day, this thing is zipping down through there. And if you have like edges, and you know, like the outside edge where your forms are around the outside edge, and you're catching them. The machines can come in, and the guys can go down them. And the most amazing thing is. I really don't have to have skilled labor to run his trowel as I would with like a trowel machine. Okay. Worry about it getting away. I don't have to worry about messing anything. And you can take a general labor and with five minutes instruction and the watchful eye for 15 or 20 minutes, the guy is off and catching that edge the way it would have been caught by a, well, to give you an example, he can now catch that edge under someone else's direction. There's always a head man on the job. That's he's like the general. You know, go here, go here, go here. You always got to have that head guy looking at the whole project at the same time. But they have. I can now take a labor. Let's say a, a twelve to fifteen dollar an hour labor mm-hmm. that can produce as good or better than a twenty five dollar an hour finisher. Yeah, that's just helping and your I bottom have my line. Twenty five dollars. I have a $25 finisher on the $50,000 right on trial machine. Right. You might as well put the... I have him producing the majority of the floor. Yeah. So, in essence, the money savings comes in. I don't have to have a higher paid help, and I don't have to have as much help. All goes with reason. Concrete is this thing. You know, these guys that buy this, you know, they got to understand... If you if <laughs> if you know you got to have enough intelligence to know somebody's gonna have to tell them when to hit it and everything else, you know. But it can it can do amazing things. We we run it through some, uh, especially in the summertime. You know, in the wintertime it's not that big a deal. So okay, summertime it goes exponentially fast. Sure. When it's going exponentially fast, you need stuff that is tight and takes a lot of effort to do by hand this thing gets down it i run i mean i, I literally purposefully small areas got behind and went in there myself and run it just to see what it would do and i never made it fail and i got pretty bold with my testing <laughs> and i wasn't i wasn't you know i wasn't slinging water and i wasn't you know slinging water probably would have helped it and made it easier but i, I would stuff and everything and I and, and I basically seen what it you know, you know it has its parameters. It's it's like any other tool. You you know I mean, you can take a single engine air, 
they're going to scrap missiles on it and go into a, 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 a you know air fight with a, a jet from the air force you know mm-hmm. but if it used in its place this thing is amazing it really is sure and i i usually i usually don't brag on equipment too much because it usually over promises and underperforms. <laughs> That's the general rule. Well, this, no, it, this one here, I mean, go ahead. I was going to say equipment is only as good as the user. So Yes. That's what's so amazing about this is I don't have to have a top-notch operator to get production out of it. Yeah. They can't mess anything up with it. It's as simple as letting go of a trigger and it's over. Oh, I could mess it's it up. It's not going to get. It's not going to get away from them. It's not going to. They're not going to trip on the edge, and, and, and you know, run the machine off the edge and then run the bottom of the machine. With this kipper, when you come down it and you catch down one side, you can. You know, I mean, if the height of the pipe's up, that's fine because you can catch mm-hmm. three quarters of the pipe. You just walk down this row of pipe, and when you go down the other side, you catch the other quarter on the other side. But there's nothing up against the pipe. I don't have to pull out a hand trail. And I'm standing upright. Yeah. It, it, it's, you know, and you go. The thing of it is, you take any of these other machines that got a handle on them. If you was to take a machine, if somebody was to ever try it, you know, anyway, it's just not going to work because the weight ratio would be wrong. I mean, he, he just come up, he, he put it together right. Some things just go together right. He's got it right. The weight ratio is right. You pull the trigger, the trigger's variable, just like a trial machine, you're gonna run it at different speeds. You ease sure. off the trigger, you run you run the you run his uh, round disc slower. You pull up on the trigger, you're running it faster. You know, usually faster equates to you know, when concrete gets hard you got two things. It's either more weight or more speed. That's what brings it up <laughs> where you can work it. Yeah. When it's wet you're gonna run it slower. But they got you can vary the speeds infinitely from slow to fast. You can you can get right up against something. You can. Uh, I had a buddy of mine. I told him about it. He wanted to see what it was about. Was in my shop. I took some uh, sand and I threw it beside a pipe bollard. And I said, okay, we got dirt up against this pipe bollard, so we're going to pretend this dirt is now concrete. So I take the kipper and I go around it. You can't even find no dirt around that pipe bollard, which means it's catching all the way to the pipe. There is nothing left for me to bend over and hand trail. <laughs> It's you know it's it's a done deal and I didn't have to bend over. Sure. And in in, can, um, in an industry where timing is everything, uh, if you can do it right the first time, that's all the better. Oh oh yeah because because here's the thing, either way if you get on it too wet or if you get on it too hard, you get on mm-hmm. too wet you got to do a whole lot more work, and it will in, in essence change your timing. But not near as bad as if you get behind. So when it's, you know, when you're behind, you're now working 10 times harder and going five times slower, if that makes sense. You're working harder, but you're not getting nowhere. The kipper doesn't have that problem. Yeah, it's going to slow it down from what its normal speed would have been, but it's so much faster than what a man can do. I mean, so much faster than what a man can do. And like I said, the guy doesn't have to be skilled. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna. Fifteen minutes, he's gonna figure out what you, what it's supposed to look like. He's gonna slow the speed down, speed it up. He's gonna catch it. I mean, to give to give you an example, we did on one floor. 
I made my laborers. They took the kipper trials. I had extra batteries. We took the trial and we actually burnished because the guy wanted he wanted everything like slick, shiny, hard finishes you could get. Okay. We actually burnished the concrete around the pipes to match where the big machines went to to shine it, and it was all the way up to the pipe. Wow. So, I mean, you know, I mean, that was just one of my horrific little tests I give this machine. <laughs> <laughs> just because I'm that way, I want to know what it'll do. If I got it, I want to know what it'll do. Yeah. It could do it. We didn't throw water. It did it. I mean, I mean, it sold it out and shined it right up against the pipes. Uh, once a guy gets more, a little more time on it, let's say this uh, laborer, he's run it two or three pours. You can actually go like outside corners that are formed if you don't have stakes sitting up. He can actually hold it level and catch that corner from the outside. Half it, over half his disc is off the slab, but he's got to hold it level and pay attention. But by then he's got control. Sure. And he can do it. And he can actually catch that corner all the way out. Now, an inside corner, you're only going to get to where you can get. But it's the same way with a three foot machine. You know, if you got a block wall and you're in an L and you go in that corner, if you got a four foot machine, you're only going to get so close to that corner. If you got a three foot machine, a little closer. Two foot, a little closer. Well, yeah. same thing with the uh, kipper, you know, 11 and a half inches, you're going to be a little bit closer, but you're still going to have to catch that inside corner. I mean, it's just, it's just geometry. You know, you can't, yeah. you know, you don't drive square pegs through round holes. It don't work. And an elephant can but, only fit through a number of doors. That's right. And they better be big <laughs> doors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and they have, but I, I mean, where, I mean, like I said, the main thing about this thing is where it goes is it will really, uh, I mean, if, if you pour up against an existing building and you've got a block wall there and the guys are normally having to, you know, kneeboard down this wall and then they're going to have to walk down that wall and, you know, best case scenario, it's going to take at least three three times down that wall. Mm-hmm. Very best case scenario. Most time it's four to five. Okay. When we go with this, I hold off a little longer and let it get a little tighter and I just go ahead and run my machines up there, you know, the, the, the riders or whatever closer to mm-hmm. the wall, I can get by with two passes and it goes a lot faster. Number one, I got the guy on it when it's harder. So I had less footprints to fix, not as deep and et cetera. Mm-hmm. And the next time he goes through, they're almost, you know, you can't even already, you know, you just see, I don't know, I guess it, you step on hard concrete to kind of push up water, you know, but it's not, he's not sinking in, but you can tell where he's been down through there, but he's catching out probably two passes with this thing which is around just a little under two foot out from the wall going down it. So now yeah. that other machine is going and the guy never got on knee boards. Um, to give you an idea, if you had, if you had a hundred foot of wall and I mean, just, I'm just trying to give you time frames, and you had, uh, you sent a guy on knee boards to go through it the first time, which I'm skipping that path. Probably shouldn't, but I do anyway. <laughs> it's probably going to take him, if he's pretty decent, it's probably going to take him. He's going to think he does it quicker, but it takes him about 30 minutes to get through there. Next time he comes through and he's catching it and he's bent over and everything, it'll take him about 20 minutes. And his last, the third pass over, it's probably about 20 minutes. That kipper will go down that same 100-foot wall the first time in 10 minutes. And the next time will probably be 10 minutes. So you, you went from, you know, one man at 30 minutes, 20, 20, that's a 40, 
70 minutes, an hour and 10 minutes to, if you did the same thing with a kipper, 30 minutes. Right. That's over in half an hour in terms of a $25 an hour, man, that's $12.50 in my pocket. Yeah. So you're, Just you're, on you're one, not only one trowling, ball. you're not only trowling concrete, you're, you're, you're smoothing out the, the pocketbook. Correct. Now, if it didn't smooth it, if it didn't help the pocketbook, it's not worth me to deal with. I'll go with the old school ways. That's, I mean, concrete's just, it's a tight game. Sure. It's, it's got to save me money. But this one, I get a little bonus. It kind of does a whole lot better than he lets on. <laughs> and, there, and, and, I, and I, I think he, uh, um, I think Mr. John's worried about skill levels because he knows just how pitiful the work market place is now. <laughs> And he, I sure. think he worries about skill levels and stuff because he's, you know, he, he worries about that. But if you come through, what I'm saying is you can take this labor, and after no more than two decent sized pours, I mean, if he, if he was on two slabs of say six, seven thousand square foot, he's got this thing down. Yeah. And the thing, the thing that I found out with some of my guys was, is like especially the bigger ones that don't like bending over. It's like if I turn my head and you had a little, you know, because a lot of times when you pour slab, you always got something else you pour. It's a, you know, a 10 by 10 dumpster pad or, you know, they always add something to you just to keep it exciting. And, and the guys would run over there and they might catch it the first time by hand, but they would take that kipper over there and they wouldn't ever worry about it. They didn't care if they got behind or what. And they go over and rip that kipper over it real fast. And uh, even if they're behind and it would just bring it right back. You know, and then they would catch what they had to with the edges and then put the broom on it or whatever, you know, and it's kind of like they were not used. It was designed, it was not designed to be a walk behind machine, but that's the way they would, you know, <laughs> they they would throw that in it because, because all they told me was it's easier, you know, and I don't fault no one for doing something that's easy as long as they're turning a the, the good product. Yeah. It's not, not what it was made for or anything else. That's just an example of, they will start thinking outside the box on what they can do with this thing. And they will start doing more and more and more with it. It does not replace walk behind machine. It does. It does. Yeah. It does all that aggravating bent over or on kneeboard work. You, you produce it by, you know, there's always going to be some of that that has to happen. You know, I mean, pain that sloped out a certain whatever, and it sloped out three foot. You really need to send a man out there to get it down the first time. But the good news is, instead of having to send him out there on knee boards again, this little 11-inch disc fits in there. He can finish out that drain slope all the way around. Yeah. He don't ever have to bend over again. Get up off your knees. Used to, we, used to, we'd have to hit it three times. Now we come in there and we hit it hit it one time by hand to get all get everything on plane and sloping the proper way. Well, now this little thing will fit on the slope, and you just go around and around and around. It looks like somebody just went in there and just did a bang-up job on a set of knee boards on it, and they never been over. I'm still finding ways. I've had, you know, I've been using it for, well, if I give you an idea, I bought one. It's like, yeah, you know, get me one, sucker, but you won't get me twice. I got one, <laughs> and within three weeks, I called him up and said, I need another one. Right. Give me two. I can put one on. I can have two men, and I can catch the edges on these buildings. I can get, you know, I can catch up. I'm not, you know, um, the guy, the guy, I could just see, you know, of course we don't do a lot of it. We did at one time, like apartment complexes where you got plumbing or motels where you got plumbing sticking up everywhere. 
Mm-hmm. I could not imagine to doing one of those fours if I didn't have two or three of his trout. Because what yeah, used I... to be just used to be just oh, just kill you days would be like oh. a walk in the park now. Because you can just wipe out the plumbing and just get right on through that stuff, and it's like stress level actually goes down. If you get something with a lot of plumbing, stress level actually goes down for me and part you know and my you know the better guys on the crew when they know i got those that sounds crazy but you can see oh yeah well something happens we'll just stick old laborer joe on it you know and he'll take off with it and he can catch all those pipes and we'll catch all the middle of the floor and that's that's a that's a load yeah how to describe that to you but it's like it's a load off your mind it makes you <laughs> build that ache out of your back <laughs> <laughs> It is. I mean, it really, you know. But like I said, it's it's got its place. It's not replacing nothing. It's adding to. This is like another tool. Every concrete yeah. finisher, you know, they got their they got their float. They got their, um, you know, they'll usually have one longer trowel, one shorter trowel. When it gets harder, you know, they get the shorter trowel, less friction, everything. They but if you're a margin trowel, you know. But, right. Go ahead. But if your employees aren't sore and aching the very next day. They're doing a better job. They're more oh yeah, efficient. and they're going to be better for you the next day. Yeah, it, it, it's like a long time ago I did it, and it was like we was, uh, I mean, we was pushing lots of hours, eighty hour week. The second week you couldn't go over sixty, and then the next week you had to be at forty. And people told me I was crazy. I said no, just I'm sitting here, I'm documenting. These guys are working. They that first week at eighty, they're my guys. They don't want to fail. They, they're there. Next week at sixty, you know they're they're giving me all they got. They're great. The next week, if we did sixty, they would be working their tails off as hard as they could, but they could not produce over what would be produced in a normal forty-hour week. They were tired. They were wore down. They needed they needed needed time to recover, you know. And it's uh, but no, it, it's uh, like I said, if you use it as a tool, just like you know, a mechanic, you know, he's got different size wrenches in his toolbox, you know. Yeah, that nine sixteenth is great. But it ain't worth a flip if you got a half inch nut. You need that half inch wrench, and this is that's where the machine shines. If you use it as a tool in your toolkit, cannot be beat. You know, is it going to replace anything? Probably not. But for what it does, fills a spot, it fills a void, and it is. I would, you know, I'd say yeah. faster, but in, in terms of I me, mean, it's not faster because you only have a window, but it. Per- more with less effort than a man can do by a hand trial. That's what we're talking. We're comparing his to a hand trial. And that about does it for this episode. Thank you to Thomas, Doug, and Danny for taking the time to talk with us. Join us for part two, where we sit down with John Kipp of Kipper Crete LLC and get the story behind the innovation. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another episode of the Groundbreakers podcast by 4constructionpros.com. Make sure to subscribe and share. Until next time, stay safe out there.